Hello and welcome to episode 706 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Tuesday, June 18th. I'm your host, Paul Sporer, and I'm joined by Justin Mason. Justin, what's going on, man? It's going to be an aggravating day for me. I'm going to be quite honest. Oh, is that right? Yes. So my wife told me that if I quit smoking by the end of June, uh, I'll, I can play in the main event again next year uh, in spite of the fact that I'm getting trounced in my main event. Uh, so today I quit smoking. Well, that's great news, mm-hmm. and obviously you're going to have to grind through it, so I understand why you said it's going to be a bad day, but uh, it's that's awesome, dude. I'm happy for you. Um, are you going to like go cold turkey? Are you going to go to a vape? or? Uh, no, I don't, I don't do the vape thing. Um, you know, Not that it's like ultra safe. I'm, I, I yeah, know that. The problem is with the vapes is... It actually can be pretty harsh on your blood pressure. Um, ah, because people don't actually uh, vape like they smoke. You know, typically you have a cigarette once an hour or whatever, like you know, something like that. Whereas people are constantly pulling on the vapes, and so it's continuously raising your blood pressure over time. But that's just a you know, that's my drug and alcohol counselor side coming out. Sure, um, sure, sure. I mean, no, I, I do nicotine lozenges. So okay. I apologize if yeah, I use them while I, I podcast. So I apologize if my mouth sounds a little dry or uh, you hear a clink or something like that while I'm talking because I've got like seven of them like shoved in my mouth right now just to <laughs> get any like sort of like a, a chaw of them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know if you if you ever watched The Simpsons, but there there's the old like uh, Simpsons episode where like Krusty Clown is trying to quit smoking and he's got like a million uh patches all over his body yes so uh, that's gonna be you yeah that's gonna be me in a few hours because it's uh it's what two thirty in the afternoon today and yes, i have not had a cigarette so well I'm, I'm i'm legitimately happy for you man and i hope everything goes well with it and you know it might not happen all at once but uh just keep keep working at it i smoked for like a year year and a half and ended up being able to kind of quit cold turkey because I woke up one day and my chest like really hurt and I was like, oh, it's probably the smoking. Probably bad. Yeah, I quit for so, two years once and uh, and then I was then I was in the army and we got more breaks if you were a smoker and so when you're like schlepping like, around like, yeah, ammunition in, in you know in Alabama in the summertime and they're like, okay, if you want to take a smoke break, you get ten and if you you don't, keep working. Hmm. pick it back up again and that was one of the worst decisions of my life so among many 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 really poor decisions so um yeah but yeah kids don't smoke yeah don't smoke don't smoke it's not a great idea um anyway we're gonna talk some baseball here i did an episode yesterday so we kind of switched it around usually we do monday and then um tuesday or wednesday as a solo we flipped it i kind of covered all the good transactions I, i took them all because there's not really anything lame that it, I know I'm so lame. There's not really anything that interesting that happened Monday into Tuesday. Uh, a lot, all the headlines here is like guys in the lineup or not and all that sort of stuff. But the only thing of, of note would be Scherzer takes a ball off the face in a bunting drill, further proving that you should never. Wait, wait, break I missed this. Ball. What happened? I actually just saw this one. Scherzer took a face, took a ball off the face during a bunting drill on Tuesday afternoon. Looks That's like, like he's going to be story fine. Of my season. <laughs> That's your season in a nutshell. Yeah. That's your main event team in a nutshell. 
Uh, but actually, Altuve is coming back. That's that's positive. For yes, you. that's. Right. Uh, but yeah, so it's it's a lot of like small news like that. Nothing that's that's too crazy. Obviously, if that anything became more on that Scherzer thing, we would talk about it in the future. But instead, uh, it gives us time to kind of open up and and talk about a, a main topic, which is uh, a group of surging bats, um, low mid to lower level guys that have been really hot over the last month, and we can kind of assess where they're at. Right. Because when guys start to come through with some of this stuff, it's like, oh, you know, you got to pick them up to kind of ride the hot streak. But are they going to be guys who are viable the rest of the year? Or is this a short term run? You know, where where are we with them? So um, I've got this group here and uh, we're going to we're going to go ahead and start at the top here. I'm pulling up my list with Max Kepler, who's been in the midst of like a legitimate breakout. And one of the things I've been loving is he's getting hits against lefties. He's getting time and against lefties, which is really exactly. Really he's getting opportunities mm-hmm. to finally show, and we've agonized. You know, we've we've ranted on this before about how these young lefty bats come in and they're stigmatized instantly as platoon guys, but they never got a real chance. Like they they got you know forty plate appearances their first year. They hit two hundred against lefties, and it was like, oh, he can't hit lefties. Well, come on, you got to give him a shot. Kepler has really advanced this year. It's it's sixty nine plate appearances, which I don't know if you noticed this. Um, Russell Carlton, pizza cutter, he did all that stabilization stuff. He actually did an addendum that if it's 69 plate appearances of something, it's automatically uh, locked and loaded as stable. It's it's legit at that point. It normally takes, I don't know, 500, 1,000 uh, plate appearances against a certain handedness to lock in. But when you land right on 69, 69 and if, yeah. if you analyze it right at 69 plate it's appearances, nice. yeah. it's perfectly stable. Mm-hmm. So it, this is legit. There's no, It's unimpeachable. It's so nice that he's hitting 286, 333, 492 with three of his 17 home runs, 18 ribbies, seven runs. It's been great for Max Kepler against lefties. Not to mention the fact, one of the things I liked about him this year, one of the reasons I wanted him in, in my leagues, wasn't so much that I knew or or – had any real clue about whether or not he'd be good against lefties. I thought he had a lot of room to gain against righties. He had his 20 homer season last year, decent season, but only hit 224, despite being pretty poor against righties. He only hit 216 against them with a 720 OPS. I was like, even if he just maintains the 745 that he had against lefties, but beasts out against righties, I'll take that. Instead, he's he's jumped against both. So Kepler's been great. 937 OPS and 14 homers against righties. Do you believe in this breakout? Is is this Max Kepler's coming out party? Obviously, he's part of that amazing Twins team. I, I, I'm going to guess that you're believing here, but expound on your thoughts on Max Kepler. Yeah, I think uh, we started to see a little bit of the breakout last year in terms of some of the underlying skills. The, the walk rate Correct. went up. The strikeout rate went down. Uh, I think he's benefited one, well, a little bit by the kind of the juiced ball. I think that's helping him getting some of these doubles out uh, already, already 17 home runs and just 284 plate appearances as opposed to 20 in a full season last year. Uh, The real main change that he's made this year is he's swinging more. He's becoming more aggressive. He's been a guy who's been about 60 to 65% zone swing percentage. This year it's 76%. Uh, and it, it's really kind of uh, helping for him. So you kind of add the aggressiveness along with 
the uh, uh well a change in kind of Babbitt pluck. I mean, 236 Babbitt last year is up to 263, which isn't even that high at all. Uh, but it's definitely helped kind of drag up his average a little bit. Uh, I think you add that that aggressiveness uh, with kind of some of the change in uh, uh, or change in profile from last year, and you now you have this breakout that is pretty easily sustainable. I don't see any reason to think that he's going to regress back to kind of the 220, 230, even 240 hitter we saw last year. I think he's probably I, a 260 guy that hits another 15 home runs. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I really like what we're seeing out of Kepler here. And um, I, I also don't see a whole lot of reason for things to to fall apart. One of the things that's interesting, I think you hit on his Babbitt jumping up this year from 236 to 263, which is still pretty low. I don't know that we can necessarily pin him to to grow a whole bunch more because in the last two years, he's really had a fly ball shift. And you're just going to have a lower Babbitt as a fly ball guy. But you know what? I'll take the extra power production as a trade-off. If he can maintain something in this 272 range, even something in uh, like 260 and above. I'm all here for that from uh, as far as Max Kepler's batting average. Give me the power production. I think we're going to see a 30-plus homer season here with a chance at 35. Um, he could be a 35-90-90 type of guy because of, of the way this uh, offense is producing. I think his runs and RBIs are going to be great. And you hit on the profile gains last year, the strikeout and walks. Those have maintained. So we're big on Kepler here. I think he's probably the most heralded of the bunch. Uh, that we're going to talk about here. The rest of the guys are are mid mid tier and lower. Some of these guys are off the scrap heap. Uh, but Kepler, I really wanted to get him some shine because we hadn't really talked about him in a while, and we did kind of uh, give him some love in the preseason. Wanted to loop back around and talk about what he's been up to. So Max Kepler, beast. I would buy. I would buy high uh, because yeah. I don't think the price would be I don't think, exorbitant. Yeah, I, don't think it I think you're gonna. Yeah, I don't think it's necessarily that high of a price. No, uh, but I would pay market if someone's you know sure. realizing that they've got a good player and they want something good in return. I'm I'm happy to give something quality in return, like a don't, decent yeah. arm, like a. Um, don't forget that he grew up overseas, like so he kind he did. of uh, he's kind of a late bloomer type of guy. 26 years old uh, was a, a very very raw prospect. It took him a while to kind of break into the majors. So uh, I, I think that we could even see a little bit more growth with him. I'm not like saying this is a guy who's going to become you know, a 40 home run guy or anything like that. But I, th I definitely think that the skills are still kind of, uh, uh, kind of blossoming. We haven't necessarily seen the best of Max Kepler yet. Yeah. And down the line, maybe he is, there is an alteration he could make to maintain the power, but also add some more hits. Mm -hmm. Cause I, I could totally see that. I agree with you that despite being 26, uh, he isn't necessarily done growing. And you mentioned his upbringing over in Germany. Eno was always big on Max Kepler, so I'm sure he's loving this breakout here. Would you give um, Matt Boyd for him? If my pitching is doing pretty well, though I have a hard time believing anybody's pitching is doing really, really well. <laughs> because uh, of our experience with pitching. Our, our, the, the fact that we've got some teams with dreadful yeah. pitching, we're like, well, then nobody's doing well. I, I think you could give Matt Boyd and get Kepler plus. Which okay. is something I would do. Would you be more in the Robbie Ray range in one for one then? Yeah, I think yeah, I totally would do Robbie Ray for for. I Kepler. think I think that that would that would work. Maybe Tanaka coming off of his big outing. Mm -hmm. I, I think, think it's a good that, trade. That, that would work too. So something like that for Max Kepler. Don't be afraid to kind of pay uh, 
I don't even want to say premium because I just don't think it's going to be exorbitant, but it'll be a little bit higher than it was, you know, coming into the season or at any point in April. Uh, let's shift over to Brian Reynolds. And now the way these guys are sorted is I, I did a, a month long check. So since uh, mid May, uh, looking at WRC plus Kepler's was 193. Brian Reynolds from the Pirates is at 190. Now, I don't know how much experience uh, or knowledge you have about him based on the fact that he was a San Francisco prospect. This was one of the pieces with Cal Crick that came over for um, for Kutch. And so this is, you know, as ragged on as they get about the Archer deal, rightfully so, this ended up looking like a pretty decent deal here as Reynolds has been great and Crick's a decent piece out of their bullpen. What can you tell us about Brian Reynolds? Because he's been absolutely on fire since coming up. Is there any sustainability to the uh, to the switch hitting middle infielder here, or outfielder? Excuse Ooh. me. I like Brian Reynolds in like DFS because for some reason he's still not very expensive, uh, and he's like perfect like like cheap cash game play. In terms of fantasy, he's a sum of all the parts kind of guy, and so I like him in deeper formats, NL only, uh, maybe your deeper fifteen team league mix. But because he doesn't have that, like, one carrying tool, uh, it's hard to really want to buy in on Reynolds. Uh, sure. I mean, he's, he's in 361, which is awesome, but it's going to regress in pretty hard. I mean, he's got a 448 BABIP. Uh, yeah, the BABIP is uh, off the charts. Do you want to guess what the BABIP is over the last month i mean the bulk uh, let, let's be clear the a lot of uh his work has been just he only has 51 games and uh 30 of them of course in, in the last month um i won't make a guess because it's actually pretty close to the uh season long 481 yeah <laughs> over the last 30 days like that's insane dude and i mean it's not necessarily a great profile for contact to begin with i mean he's yeah. swinging outside the zone 34 percent of the time uh, he's got a 12% swing strike rate. I mean, these are numbers that are telling me, okay, he's getting pretty lucky on balls in play. Uh, he's not even he's not even getting power from it. Like he's just getting lucky. He's getting a lot of blue pits, probably a lot of grounders uh, up the middle, and uh, you know that's something you ride until it kind of falls off. But it's gonna fall off, and when it falls off, there's gonna be nothing to this profile. That is super interesting. I, like I said, I think long term, uh, he'll be a very interesting guy in kind of a high floor, uh, low ceiling kind of guy, which is great for NL only. Sure. Uh, but because he'll he'll accumulate, especially if he's batting, you know, towards the top of the lineup. Um, where is he batting uh, in games right now? Let's see. Yeah, he's, he's batting second and third uh, quite often. I like that. So, and behind Kevin Newman, another guy who. Probably could have put on this list uh, I like if I wanted more. to. Yeah, he's been batting first. Uh, he was an interesting pickup this week that I, I got in a couple weeks. I wanted to get him in the main, but he went pretty high. Newman's got in some mind, speed but, to him, which is yeah, a little and, and bit that's, more interesting. You're right. That's kind of the issue with, with Reynolds. He doesn't have that one thing. So you just kind of need to keep him in there to kind of get all of it together. You're right. Great NL play or you know, 16 plus team mixer where you're getting kind of that. He's a glue guy. I like to call them. Um, so yeah, he's been pretty solid. I think he'll remain solid, but obviously not going to continue to have a BABIP that is just off the charts. Now this next guy does have a carrying tool and it's very evident. And, uh, after 26 homers, each of the last two years, not even in full seasons in 122 and 117 games, respectively, Hunter Renfro already has 23 
in 66 games. So he likes the bouncy ball. He's here for it. <laughs> uh, he's been absolutely on fire. He and Fran Mill Reyes, they're just, I mean, they're insane uh, with what they've been able to do. Fran Mill has 19 homers of his own. So that those two have just been absurd. They have 23 and 19 respectively. Do you want to guess what the next highest on the Padres is for homers? Oh, uh, it's gotta be pretty, well, you say that, so I don't think it's very close, but I, I thought there was another guy who's hitting a bunch of bombs and it's Machado. Do you know how many he has? 13, 14. He had his 14th yesterday. Ah, so, so it's pretty, that one. pretty big drop. And then Myers and Hosmer have 11 and 10 respectively. I just, I don't know. I, I, I thought they were more of a power hitting team together. So I kind of thought that not that they'd have guys as high as Renfro and Reyes, Thought they'd have more double-digit guys behind them, but Renfro just uh, in that in that uh, record-setting series of runs in Coors, he was a big part of it. Uh, he got he got to eat there. He's obviously been on fire. One series alone isn't making um, his month. Although <laughs> it's coming kind of close. He has five of his homers in that time, but his total uh, five of his homers just from the Coors series: a three-homer game and a two-homer game. But he has 13 in the last month, 303, 367, 775 slash. We know what he is. You know, swings swings and misses a lot. Uh, his walk rate isn't great, 7% on the season, 9% during this run. Is this his hot streak? He, he strikes me as the prototypical power guy. Has a blazing hot streak like this. Goes ice cold for like two, three weeks. Makes you think you need to cut him. Gets hot again. He seems like a set it and forget it roto type, though, where you just – you, you wait for the end of season. You don't try to time these things. How do you feel about Hunter Renfro? Okay, so Vlad tweeted this out a few days ago, uh, and I just uh, I just kind of searched to make sure it's still true, and it is. Uh, okay. Christian Yelich has 53 home runs over the last calendar year. Utterly insane. Number two in Major League Baseball, Hunter Renfro. Renfro, baby. Oh, my goodness. 46 with... home runs with a 253-301-577 triple slash. This really is nice. legit, and the biggest issue for Renfro has been playing time because the uh, the Padres just have this stacked outfield. Well, that's, mm-hmm. you know, with Fran Mill kind of having some back issues. Uh, Franchi Cordero had a setback and has been put on the 60-day uh, IL uh, um, because of that. Franchi Cordero, you said? Yeah. Like this, okay. the, the playing time is starting to work itself out, and there's talk that the Padres could trade an outfielder, whether that be uh, possibly him, him or Margot. So him meaning Renfro, mm-hmm. um, where I assume somebody would trade to play him full time. Uh, you would assume. You would assume that at this point they're not trading an asset like him to get uh, to get a crappy piece. And if if you're not getting a crappy piece back, I assume they're trying to get a starting pitcher. Uh, exactly, and so if they're, if they're gonna get a major league starting pitcher for him, that got that team is probably gonna place him in the lineup every day. So, I, I would think so too. And uh, let me see what Renfro's splits look like. I don't think he's overly challenged splits wise. Uh, he's been better against lefties this year because he's hitting twelve twenty seven OPS against them, but an eight eighty eight against righties, buoyed by the power for sure. It's only two thirty eight two ninety three on the average in OBP. Like those aren't great, but when you have seventeen homers leading to a 595 slug that's i mean you're still going to play against righties even if you're batting you know sixth uh in, in the lineup there maybe you don't put them dead ass in the middle of the lineup but fifth or sixth 
He's just he's just got the light tower power. It's unchallenged. Is with Renfro, I mean, he's probably got at least another twenty in the bank with the way the ball's going. Wouldn't you maybe project him for another twenty-five plus? Yeah, I think you have to at this point. Which is crazy. Yeah. I mean, he's not a guy I necessarily wanted to project for forty-five home runs. Uh, but I, you know, I'd probably be on the conservative side. You never know what could happen with the ball. But the conservative side is like, you know, seventeen to twenty home runs. Yeah. Rest so of the still, way. So that's still I mean, chasing down forty. Yeah, I mean, he's done twenty-three with two hundred and twenty-seven plate appearances. That's insane. That's insane, man. So yeah, his power unquestioned. If you need pop, this is the kind of guy you go out and get, and you just you take the batting average hit. It's at two fifty-seven right now, which isn't killing you. But it's been as low he, as two thirty-one. He's one of these guys that kind of play really well into. Wish I had more shares of <laughs> for, your uh, strategy. Yeah, okay. my strategy of batting average because if he pops in batting average, uh, kind of randomly, and he is right now, he's you know hitting ten points above his career batting average. Then you just got a guy on the cheap who's hitting you, you know, f- close to forty home runs, if not more. Oh yeah. The folks with the two four with getting a two fifty seven out of him, they're loving that. Like yeah, that's he's huge. Stoked right now. Yeah. Um. So that's Hunter Renfro. We like what he's doing. Keep an eye on whether or not he's traded. He's been in trade rumors now for a while because of their flush outfield and um, a fit to the AL seems like it'd be nice too. So you can get him off his feet every once in a while at DH. I think he's got a decent arm in the outfield, but not uh, not super athletic. Uh, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Is is ripping it right now you're, you're since all returning over the place on our on our sheet, dude. Come on, get your oh, stuff wait, did, together. Did I go the wrong way there? Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! Oh, you're right. Oh, sorry. I was looking at. Hang on, something changed here because my board is different. Hang on, Reynolds was second. I, I see you correcting it. No, we're skipping Guriel. We're going to David Bodie. I'm gonna follow the sheet. I'm sorry, David Bodie. Can David Bodie find? Full time, like that's just the question. Can he find full time playing time? Because if he can't, he's 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 a NL niche player. Only. Yeah, he's NL only. Yeah. He's he's interesting in NL only, and I, I'm enjoying having him in one of my NL only leagues. But it it's nice that he's got the flexibility to play in the infield and the outfield. But True. he needs an injury to kind of break into this lineup every day, and it's only going to get worse because. You got to think the Keuchel, or sorry, the, the Kimbrel signing says that the Cubs think that they're an all-in team this year. Uh, they're one or they're half a game behind the Brewers in the Central, so mm-hmm. they're probably going to make more moves, uh, you know, to help this lineup. Whether it's bringing another bench bat, uh, right, bringing a full-time right fielder, yeah, bringing a full-time cargo. right fielder, or or you know maybe a full-time center fielder and move Hayward back over to right. So true. true, uh, true. This has only become more difficult for David Bodie to uh, get into the lineup every day. So no, I'm I'm not buying it. Unfortunately, uh, a guy that is, you know, you see kind of in DFS as a guy you can kind of target when he is in the lineup uh, or in NL only. But that's about it for me. Yeah, I, I don't really have a whole lot to add. I think that 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 is correct. I mean, he's hit righties this year, so he hasn't been somebody who has to be strictly platooned at least not based off what in fact he's actually been worse against lefties uh for david bodie but for his career he's about even against righties and lefties as far as lps goes and as you mentioned he can bounce around the field which helps but it still hasn't helped him carve out much 
of a role. And in fact, his time has been pretty limited to third and second. They only really dabble with him in the outfield. Um, you'd think that maybe if, if they had any trust in him in the outfield, he could cut into some of, well, actually, never mind, never mind. Against lefties, it's Almora who jumps in and then they shift Hayward over to right, I believe, back to right. So yeah, I agree. I like Bodie, but until we saw a, a clearer path or playing time, it's, it's just not there. And I guess... How much longer? Like, what kind of what kind of leash does Addison Russell get? He's been brutal. Could that could second base then open up for Bodie, or would they go into the trade market? Yeah, I think they go out and get a guy, whether it be like a, a Joe Panic type, or uh, maybe a, a, you know I'm trying to think who else might be on the second base uh, market. Um, you know, I haven't fully analyze the trade market, and yet. they all they, don't forget. Like they still have Ian Happ in the minors. Like they could easily just they bring do. him back up. So uh, I think he's terrible at baseball, though. He well, that's probably true. But he's been hitting it all in the minors. I'll, I'll look I, at I that. have Go ahead, no idea. So, uh, you know, they they could always let's see. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to see someone. Yeah, there's not much on the second base market either. Wow. Well, remember, second base was challenged coming into the year for fantasy. Yeah, it's 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 so, not good necessarily. So that's not that surprising. Uh, yeah, uh, as far as Hap, he kind of got going a little bit in May. Uh, batting average still just an issue because he strikes out a ton, but he was walking a, a good bit. So he went two forty two, three seventy two, four thirty four in May, but he's back down to two oh eight, still walking three eighty two, but only three ninety six on the slug in June. For Ian Happ. So, I mean, I guess he could still get a call and see what's going on. You never know how much a guy stuck in the minors who's already been in the majors is kind of kind of slagging it a little bit and just like, let me get up to the majors. But, um, yeah, for Bodie, it's just hard to have confidence. So just be careful in mixed leagues. I wouldn't really just – 12-team, I'm not even considering it. 15-team, yeah. maybe if you got a bunch either, of injuries. Man. But I just – I've bypassed him on the on the uh, on the waiver wire several times. So let's move on to the next guy, Scott Kingery. Were you a believer last year? Uh, I was until the hype train got out of control. Okay, yeah, because it, it went it went off the track. I mean, it was insane, and then yeah. completely blew up and derailed, ran into a tunnel and and exploded because it, it never got off the ground. It was a brutal season for Kingery. I hope those who liked him stuck stayed the course, though, although I imagine a lot didn't because uh, he didn't come into the season with a playing time role. That's the thing, too. It's like even if you believe in a guy um, and you want to double down, there were only specific leagues where you where you could do it with Kingery because he just wasn't going to play. So you couldn't really take him in your, in your main event and just say, well, I'm going to wait this out until mid-May yeah. when he's going to start dominating because he, he meandered around uh, in – April at the beginning started to get going in mid April and then got immediately hurt. got hurt. Yeah. He was on my and main so, event team. <laughs> there you go. There so, you go. And of course I dropped him because I had a million injuries. Too many injuries. Uh, and you didn't know what he was going to do when he came back. Yeah. And it, you know, there was a kind of a, what's going to happen in terms of the playing time too, because it, you know, they, they kind of had this stacked team with all these guys in the outfield and, you know, is Frank, Franco is going to play, you know, kind of close to full time. And, yep. uh, you know, it was kind of, well, remember Franco started off looking like a real player and we well, know in where spring he, training, I mean, that's, that's where he excels. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, and then got all those like 
unintentional or intentional walks and then hit a few homers. And it's like, oh, this is the year. He's actually having his worst year ever now. Like he's he's fallen that far on his face. So that has opened the door for Kingery. And since returning from the injured list, he has 95 plate appearances with a 322, 358, 644, six homers, 15 ribbies, 16. I mean, he's been excellent. Only one stolen base in two tries. His speed was always going to be something that like it should be a contribution, but I, I don't it's know chipping, if, it, if yeah. we're going to get – yeah, if we're going to get the – he had 30 and 29 steals in two years in the minors. That speed wasn't a major component of his game. I think it was more of taking advantage of the minors. So there there could be an, a contribution there, but it's not going to be something that's game-changing. But the power like and, and the slash line. Like he's fast. If you look at his StatCast stuff, because I uh... – I uh, talked about him on the Friends Fantasy Benefits podcast recently. Like, he's really fast. 70 speed, but I think you're going to say why you he's can't count on He's batting fourth. Like, they're not going to let him run batting fourth. Exactly. Like, it's, he's I was batting say, in between Harper and uh, and Hoskins. Like, like that. Or I, I was going to say they're just not going to let him run because Kepler just doesn't let guys really run. That's so it. he is legitimately fat, like top 4% last year, top 6% this year as far as sprint speed for Kingery. But the reason I don't think it's going to be a major component of his game is because uh, they just, they, they're not going to allow him to, they're not going to allow Kingery to really go. And your, your batting or your batting spot point matters a lot as well for Kingery. So if, if it turns and he starts to run a little bit, that that's gravy. But right now, I mean, he's already matched his home run output. It took him 484 plate appearances to get eight homers last year. He's got eight in 130 this year. He's been awesome. Obviously, he's riding high right now um, at, at a peak. You know, he's got the, uh, the Babbitt at 411 over this last month. That's going to come down. But what's a reasonable outlook the rest of the season for somebody like Kingery? Can he be a 10-10 270 kind of guy with solid counting categories? I think that would be fair. I think the problem is people are going to expect a lot more. Um, That's true. You know, right now he's hitting 344. That's going to come crashing down. He's got, he's got a 420 Babbitt. Uh, and I don't love <laughs> the plate skills. He's got a very uh, Javi Baez-esque uh, <laughs> kind of swing, approach. Swing a lot and don't worry about walks. Well, and it's gotten really worse, like really bad this year. He, like he's swinging seventy six percent of the time in the zone. Uh, he's only making uh, contact seventy three percent of the time. So he's and he's got an O swing of of thirty four percent. So like these are numbers that tell me like you know Javi Baez gets away with it, and we've we've you know we've been wrong in kind of projecting that Baez is going to regress quite yeah. a bit because uh, he's a unicorn. Like, like, like people don't have the hand speed that Baez does, and, and Kingery certainly doesn't. Not to say that Kingery is going to, like, fall completely off the map. I don't think that. But I think he's much more of, like, a 260 hitter than a, a three, you know, 100-plus hitter. Uh, and I, so I think double-digit home runs is probably fair rest of the way. Uh, double-digit speed is probably fair, especially if he drops out of that uh, that spot in the lineup. And they put him kind sure. of towards the bottom, you know, closer to the bottom, uh, you know, maybe six, seven. I don't think he's getting to the top. I, I, I don't. He's, he's not jumping either. Segura or or Harper. He'd have to, he'd have to go to the very top and push Segura to two, and then Harper to three. I but think I think he, I think he, they like the way they've got it. I think he likely flip flops with like Cesar Hernandez. 
I, I would agree with that. I would agree so, with that. Uh, yeah, so I think at the end of the day, uh, I think this is a really good sell-high point for Kingery. Yeah, people are, are get really, something nice. Because, I mean, people are going to look at what he's done over the season and go, well, he missed a bunch of time. He's gotten the eight home runs in under 40 games. You know, you give him, uh, you know, the, the second half of the season, he could hit 15-plus home runs. And he's got speed, mm-hmm. so he could steal bases. I just don't know that he is going to hit enough uh, and make enough contact uh, rest of the way to, to kind of uh, keep that pace up. I think he'll be a solid asset, but Kingery will definitely come down. Uh, obviously, he'll come down from this level, and it could be, you know, like a solid, like I said, 10-10, 270, which I think some people would be disappointed by. But that's that's a quality contribution the rest of the way, especially if the counting categories are nice. This is an um, interesting he, thing I just kind of stumbled onto uh, because of what you were talking about in terms of the Phillies not running. So the Phillies have 21 stolen bases this year. <laughs> what? Is that the lowest? It is not. Are the Tigers lower? No, the Tigers are actually middle of the pack in terms of hey. sixth. They're tied for fifteenth. They, they suck uh, so bad that like, we, we got to run a little bit. We got to find somebody out. Yeah, I mean, uh, so like the bottom. Let's let's just talk about the 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 teams. Uh, the Phillies in kind of below. So the Phillies have twenty one home runs. The Blue Jays have nineteen steals. Or sorry, sorry yeah, steals. Uh, uh, the Blue Jays have 19, the Twins have 18, Padres? and the Cubs have Cubs, 17 okay. home runs. Steals. Uh, or sorry, steals. I keep saying home runs. Uh, <laughs> the Royals have 69. Oh, that's so nice, dude. I was Obviously, I knew that they would be high. Uh, uh, it's so perfect that they have 69. But, I mean, the Royals have as many home runs as three of those teams combined. This Steals. is one. Or sorry, God damn it! <laughs> um, the Rangers have sixty stolen bases. Now that one's an interesting one. Like we know DeShields, but he hasn't even been up all year. So where where else are they getting? Con- Andrews is back on track. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you got two guys with double digits, that helps. Does Danny Santana have double digits as well? Is that three I guys? Think probably close. Yeah. Okay. I know he stole another one last night. Uh, I had him in my lineup, so, yeah. so I was pretty excited. If you got. Three guys at or near double digits, and He's then a good eight, handful yeah. of fives. Yeah, okay. So and, and a handful of five pluses, then all of a sudden you're there. So that's interesting. Um, Casey not projecting quite as aggressively as we thought, though, right? Because, um, you know, Mondesi has 26, but I think people were expecting Mondesi, Merrifield, and Hamilton to all be in the 20s right now. And Merrifield and Hamilton have 23 combined. Yeah, I well, I think it's hard when you're not getting on base, and I think Mondesi is. Good point. Uh, while Mondesi's been uh, much better than I thought he would be, uh, he like we forget like we we spent like that first what like three weeks of the season like he's not stealing bases, but he kept hitting triples. Exactly. Like you, you can't. It's hard to steal, steal if you're not getting time. singles. Uh, which kind of goes back to the point of like if he's not going to walk, then it kind of limits his upside. I'm just wondering if in the future when we talk about stolen bases we need to talk more about it from a team perspective in terms of the haves and haves nots because obviously this is a especially like the twins this is a huge part of their game is they're not running into outs no and you know why because they know that the guy at at the dish Mm -hmm. whomever it is can get you home 
with one swing of the bat, uh, you know, going yard, or if it's one of their speedsters on first, like a Buxton, then a, then a shot in the gap and you're scoring. You know, Jorge Polanco, uh, even Kapoor himself, I don't think is super slow. Actually, I might be dead ass wrong on that. Kepler's but anyway, got, uh, like chip and speed, but no, not. I mean, yeah, they they want you guys. They want their guys to move via everybody hitting uh, because of the way they're hitting right now, and so it doesn't make any sense for you to try to uh, try to steal bases. But from the Phillies' it, perspective, like there are eight teams that have twice as many stolen bases as as the Phillies this year. That's crazy. I mean, Kepler, and so this this all started with Kingery because despite his great speed, they're not going to steal. It, it's just not going to be a major component of his game. Like I think, you know, he had ten last year, which was Kapoor's first year or Kapoor's first year, um, and they didn't run a whole lot last year, and they're not running a lot this year, and they're just not going to. So I think if he gets twelve, fifteen, you got to be you got to be giddy on that because that would be thirteen the rest of the year to get to fifteen. He's only got two right now for Kingery, so that's Kingery. Keep an eye on where he's at. I agree with a potential sell high here. I think you can go out into the market and get something pretty substantial in return, especially if it's from somebody who bought in last year and it didn't go well. They're like, you know what? He is doing what I expected. You know, I thought he was going to do this last year, and now he's finally performing. Let me buy in, and 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 you can make a, a decent sale there for Kingery and help your team with um I don't you know whatever you're looking for. We always kind of do the hitting for pitching, but it could be a different type of hitting profile that you go for. Now let's get to Lourdes Gurriel Jr., who uh, had like one great run last year. It was in July. And uh, then he had some injuries kind of slow him down a little bit. And it was just that confined run. It's like, well, can he build on that? Is that is that the beginning of something? I don't know. There's some acclaim to him. He was somebody I was avoiding in draft season. And I felt like a genius, you know, two weeks into the season, which is the perfect time to start counting your wins and losses yes. for sure. But uh, he got sent down because he was hitting 175, 250, 275. I didn't think he was that bad. I just didn't. I just didn't really know on him, and there were so many options at shortstop that I didn't feel like I had to uh, push it with him. I think he has second in short eligibility. So he goes down to the minors, comes back up, and has absolutely been on fire since returning. Uh, 325, 375, 675 with seven homers, uh, a steal, 16 ribbies, 17 runs. Like He's just been off the charts. Is Lord Escuriel Jr. just having his his little run that we saw in July of last year, or is this something to, to build on here? Uh, I think it's something, I think this is a hot streak and I, I don't think there's necessarily a ton here to build on. Uh, I think people still kind of remember that name and, and kind of the allure that was around him when he, uh, him and his brother kind of signed their, uh, their deals. I just don't well, Gur- see. Guriel had like a. It was like a seven year. It was only seven for, I only twenty two. I say, but a seven year deal because, um, that that's that's a pretty big commitment there. Mm-hmm. But obviously, it's not major dollars per year yeah, that I mean, guarantees playing time or anything. Yeah, you know, I mean, there's not a ton in his profile that makes me think that uh, he's ever going to be anything more than he is, which is. Uh, a Brian Reynolds type of Dang it. guy. Going to make you compare the two. Yeah, at shortstop, uh, and with less of a hit tool. Yeah, but more punch, more bankable punch. I know Brian Reynolds has yeah. five homers this year, but I think Guriel is the better is and the I, better and power. Gur- Guriel could grow into a little bit more power. Yeah. Um, 
but I mean, yeah, we're talking about a guy who, especially in this kind of power-infused era that we're in, the juice ball era right now, like 15 home runs at shortstop isn't really going to do it for us anymore. And that might have been good five, six years ago. But now he's a guy that's probably going to hit 250. Uh, He doesn't walk very much. I mean, he's walking more this year, but he still walks, you know, he doesn't doesn't get close to double-digit walk rate. So uh, he swings and misses way too much outside the zone. Um, He's tried to become a little bit more patient, I think, that this year, and that's where the walks are coming from. Uh, But, you know, a a huge walk improvement is great, but when you were at 3% last year, up to 7% isn't like that. Amazing. Yeah. So we're not I mean, talking uh, about a guy. We'll who's, take it. Yeah, he's but... not he's not gonna be like a three fifty OPP guy. He's like, you know. No. Uh he's kind of stretching it, himself right now at three thirty three. It will it will be OBP challenge. Now, one of the things that has been interesting for Guriel, um, he did come in with shortstop second base eligibility and has added outfield because that's actually where he's playing because they've got Kevin Biggio and Freddie Galvis up the middle. So Guriel has as found this new spot in the outfield, which helps, gives him now triple eligibility. He's also hitting in the middle of the lineup. Um, It's not a great lineup, but I'll take anybody in the middle. So, you know, uh, again, I was going to ask you to compare he and Brian Reynolds, and you already did. So I do think there are some overall similarities to their profile, even if the makeup is different. Their dollar value at the end of the year might be similar. Who would you prefer? Reynolds with the – Better hit tool and outfield only, or Guriel with triple eligibility and more punch. Yeah, and I think the more punch part comes in because he's swinging for the fences. Got like, yeah, uh, like a forty-three percent. I want to say, uh, yeah, forty, almost forty-four uh, percent fly ball percentage. He's like he's aiming to put the ball over the fence and in the air. Uh, he's taking advantage of the bouncy ball. Yeah, which is what he should be trying to do at this point, mm-hmm. but. Um, it's going to come at the cost of some real big cold streaks uh, where he strikes out too much, uh, where he gets under it. Uh, so you ride this hot streak and kind of take advantage, especially in daily leagues, of that multi-position eligibility. But this, we're going to go through another cold streak. And uh, we've already seen the Blue Jays send him down. They don't seem overly committed to him in spite of the fact they're in a rebuild mode. Uh, so enjoy it while it lasts, but I don't think it's going to last uh, very long. Guriel Jr. or Garrett Cooper? Mm, Cooper. At least Cooper has a carrying tool. Yeah. and we'll, Oh, damn it. I thought he was next. He's not next. I was trying to transition. I'm going to stick with the list and go with Jacoby Jones. We'll get to Garrett Cooper in a moment. Uh, Jacoby Jones for the Tigers has been uh, has been doing a bit of everything lately. Uh, contributing some homers and speed you know I never really knew what to make of him and he's been pretty brutal in in three small well last year was pretty full 467 plate appearances add it all up uh, coming into this year he had 649 plate appearances basically a full season and he was a 199 258 339 for Jacoby Jones with 14 homers and 19 steals those counting categories they just don't play when you're hitting 199 with a 258 OBP. So it was hard to really care about those. But it did show that he's got a little, little punch in the bat and and can run a little bit. And he's actually turned that into something. 
This year, he's got eight homers, six steals, 243, 317, 436 on the slash line. Jacoby Jones a bit more playable now and riding hot of late with five of those homers and four of those steals in the last uh, in the last calendar month. Strikes out a ton, though, and that's why the batting average is so challenged. I think defensively, he's kind of locked himself in, uh, so the playing time should remain for Jacoby Jones, even even with the ebbs and flows that, that a 30% strikeout and 7% walk rate will yield is Jacoby Jones someone that you that you fancy in in a 15 team mix or or shower or does it have to be super deep only you know where I really want Jacoby Jones is I mean ale only yeah for sure but uh, it's a little obvious to say that but yeah so where else in a three sport league where he could pose as my punt returner as well (laughs) I mean dude has nine career uh, kick and punt returns uh, for touchdowns. So I mean, great, great reference. Well done, well done. Uh, yeah, I don't necessarily even want him. I mean, I get, I guess in AL only is where you really want him because uh, you can kind of sacrifice a little bit of average there, uh, and it's okay if he's not plays. Playing. Yeah, he, I just I worry that he's gonna play every day, and he's also had injury issues. Uh, I was gonna bring that career. up. He just—he strikes out so much that uh, it's hard to see him kind of continuing this. On the bright side, the Tigers suck, and so they're—they're they're okay with him kind of stinking up the lineup. If, if you know, I mean, they—they they should have no reason to yeah. not play a healthy. I mean, there is a cutoff point where it gets too too poor with the performance. But uh, yeah, I.e. I mean, Heimer Candelario. Exactly. But I mean, but, this um, is the kind of guy like if they can. They, they can either trade or he's just a great spot filler for them. It at least makes them somewhat interesting while he's going well. So there's, yeah, there's no reason he doesn't continue to play. You just have to be able to counteract what will likely continue to be a poor average. I know he's hitting 243 right now, but all the projection systems outside of the bat has him hitting, you know, 229 or 230 below. 230 or lower. Yeah. yeah, that's – and here's tell, here's a telling factor too. Even in his hot streak, Jacoby Jones struck out 30%. Like he didn't even it – it wasn't an improvement of the plate skills. It was just everything kind of clicking around the ugly plate skills. So that that's a little bit challenging. But if you need some speed, you might have to get desperate. I could even maybe see it um, as your last outfielder in a in a 15-teamer. But that's I – cu- I couldn't really do it in a 12-teamer. Um, he is playing every he day. He had that huge touchdown against the Broncos. Uh, which the, which the, was massive. Yeah, in the AFC divisional playoff game. Like that was uh and then I mean he's I think he's got the record for longest uh return touchdown in a Super Bowl. <laughs> oh my god. He's a Super Bowl so... champion. It's pretty it's pretty it's, absurd. You, it's football season, right? It's not football season. <laughs> Shut up, football don't, people. Don't wait go your turn. Serious. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, wait your freaking turn. All right, now we get to Garrett Cooper. My transition failed there, but um, you don't want to talk Garrett about Coop- Jacoby Jones playing in the National uh, Arena League. He, he was is play- that where he plays now? I, mean, he, I think he's retired now, but he last played in 2017 with the Monterey Steel. Yikes! Which is like my hometown team, I guess technically. Oh, really? D- I, did you get a jersey uh, of Jacoby? They've got a pretty sick logo, and it's like a black, gold, and white team colors. Uh, hey. 
Like yeah. might be time to get that Jacoby Jones jersey and pick him up in all all your oh, leagues. Oh, sorry, that's Monterey, Mexico. So not my own team. Oh, not not the home squad there. I'm sorry, I'm not all up right. on my uh, on my arena football league. I can't trust you with football opinions. Then, I, I, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, don't listen to the can't. Friends Fantasy Benefits Football Podcast. Nah, just can't. These are the hot takes you get. I will trust you on your Der- on your Garrett Cooper uh, takes though. He was a hot pickup a couple weeks ago. He's still available in in some leagues. The 15 teamers have have dried up though. I think uh, he's really starting to get picked up there. But I wonder if he's playing himself into um, shallower league viability because he's batting again. Acknowledging that the Marlins are trash, sure, but he's batting two consistently there in that lineup, and he he seems seemingly gets a hit every day over the last month. Um, he's hitting 333, 402, 537 with six homers, 24 runs, and 20 ribbies, 21% strikeout, 9% walk. A lot of numbers. It all adds up to really strong work, even if you take his full season, which was some ugliness before uh, that, and a couple games in uh, March and then two in May when he came back. He still has a 132 WRC plus versus the 151 in the last month. It's a power batting average profile. Um, obviously, the park sucks, and it's going to limit some of that punch. But Garrett Cooper, I mean, he looks good. I, he's had some hype before. I remember um, some people trying to make Garrett Cooper a thing with the Yankees, and then even last year, with his first year with the Marlins, he's had his proponents out there. It's like a small, a small section of people who really like Garrett Cooper. They're finally seeing that pay dividends do you believe in Garrett Cooper? I do to a point. I mean, obviously the power is legit. I think we all can see that. I mean, he's got, I, I know we have him graded out at 60 raw power. I think it's greater than that. Uh, the question is, how much can he hit for average? Because like you said, he's hitting 304 right now. That is undoubtedly going to come down with kind of his plate profile. Uh, that being said, he's making a lot of contact right now, and it's good contact, which is uh, makes him very interesting to me. I mean, he's a guy that's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, sporting in a you know eighty five percent zone contact percentage. My big concern with him is that he's going to swing and miss too much outside of the zone, uh, and that's going to kind of drag down the average. So, I think we're looking at a guy who's probably. Uh, gonna hit 260 rest the way um, okay but I think could hit like all the projection systems have him hitting you know six to ten home runs I think that's low I think that's really low even I think so too even for Miami because mm-hmm. I mean obviously he's gonna play half his games there but it's you know there'll be some they like him enough where they're hitting him second right now second man I like I like I like oh my the God. I know it's it's so bad, but I like I like the decent guys in the good lineup spots of bad lineups because that volume and if they're any good, I mean, yeah, their their counting categories will be challenged. Although I will say, like I said, twenty four runs and twenty ribbies in the last month—that's insane. To do that in Miami, that should count extra. He should get extra credit for that because that's insane. Um, you know, they could wind up with a decent front end of the lineup there. If you kind of put, you know, if Harold Ramirez does some things with Brian Anderson, Garrett Cooper, um, it's probably time for Granderson to hang it up. I love Granderson, my favorite player, but uh, I don't think he's really doing anything against righties right now. 
But they can make it so that maybe top four isn't embarrassing for the Marlins, and that would help Cooper kind of keep his. Can they, though? They could. I, I don't know that they can. Well, I just outlined a way that they could. Yeah, you know who's been really good for them, surprisingly? Is Jorge Alfaro. Mm-hmm. I kind of, I basically took him off my board when he got traded to Miami because I, I actually did like him as a Philly catcher, ballpark lineup and everything. He goes to uh, Miami. I was like, oh, I do not even want him 1%. So I basically ran the other way from him. But he's been he's been solid. Nine homers, 264 average uh, with them. Hasn't been too bad. But, uh, yeah, we like Cooper. I, I think he can beat your batting average projection a bit. I think he'd be more of a 275 kind of guy. Uh, with more punch, I agree with you on that bit. He needs to raise Say, his uh, his launch angle. Man, he's got a Yandy Diaz, huge ground ball. Yep, huge ground ball, which could angle. which could be explaining some of the low power yeah. uh, output Still think uh, can projections. More power than that. I agree. I agree. Uh, okay, last guy here, Carson Kelly, one of the trade components. You know, if Luke Weaver hadn't gotten hurt, that trade would be looking really sharp for the Diamondbacks, right? Because Kelly's been awesome, and Weaver was brilliant before he got hurt, and it sucks that he ended up getting hurt. Kelly kind of doing, uh, kind of getting back on track. He had a down eighteen, um, and his defense even regressed, which was surprising because that was kind of supposed to be his carrying bit. He's hailing lefties, dude. Four hundred, four seventy-eight, eight fifty in forty-six plate appearances against lefties with four homers. He has the same amount of homers for. Um, in way more than 2x the plate appearances against righties, but he's only in 215, 288, 387. So I guess the question is, I, I, first off, I would say with the garbage that is catcher, as long as he's getting a decent amount of uh, reps against lefties to kind of stabilize the numbers, you can still use Carson Kelly in a two-catcher league. But looking at it a little bit uh, deeper, can he improve against righties to balance this out a little bit? Because I don't think you can expect a 1328 OPS against lefties to maintain for, for Carson Kelly. Hmm. I think he can improve a little bit. He's making a ton of contact and he's always kind of been a guy that makes, uh, makes contact and makes decent contact. I don't know if the power, the power is going to keep up the way it is. I, I think he's always been kind of projected to be like a low double digits guy. And so the fact he's already got eight, is a bit surprising, uh, but I guess mm-hmm. he's gonna take care or taking advantage of that juiced ball. Uh, maybe helps. I think he's a guy that could hit two fifty ish rest of the way. Uh, and, okay. I mean, in, in what we've got is like just an awful catching landscape. Two fifty with like fifteen home runs is oh that like that's that not plays. bad. Like yeah, it plays for sure. So. Uh, there's definitely guys that are being rostered right now because people have just given up on the catching uh, position in two catcher leagues that shouldn't be rostered over Carson Kelly. Well, Avila, Alex Avila got hurt, and so it's it's him and Caleb Joseph now because Swihart, who really wasn't catching but is ostensibly catcher eligible, and John Ryan Murphy, um, none of them are on the team. So it's Joseph's his backup, which is not really a threat. So Kelly's like the full-timer right now, which helps. Because he's going to get that extra bit of volume. And the NL West, the last couple of years, including this one, has always been a, a solid one 
for uh, for guys who mash lefties. There are a lot of lefty starters across that division. You think just about the Padres and Dodgers specifically. They've got a ton of lefties. The Giants, they're 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 kind of turning over some guys. But off the top of my head, still uh, they still Bum have Bumgarner, Pomeranz. Derek uh, they got rid of Holland. Bolden. Yeah, it would have been a three pack of starters this year, but they've moved out Holland. They will move out Bumgarner, but they still have Pomeranz. And then uh, uh, Colorado doesn't have Freeland anymore. And Tyler Anderson isn't. So they're all righties. But you still have the Dodgers and the Padres. So there's going to be some lefties for Carson Kelly to to kind of get up against uh, when he's playing the division. I think I think he's a, a solid C2 for sure, um, especially with the more full-time uh, workload right now for the Diamondbacks. So, again, that deal is looking not too bad right now. We'll see what happens with Weaver. really sucks that he got hurt. But it's not like Goldie has been – peak Paul Goldschmidt right now either I know they think they should have gotten more but I feel like GMs don't just but yeah but but it wasn't available yeah it's worked out and uh you know they weren't going to be able to re-sign Goldschmidt like so I think there were I think there were people are really upset especially our friends over at ITL yeah they traded him uh, and then he signed this long-term deal that wasn't in the cards for no pun intended for uh, uh, for, that was a good one. for the Diamondbacks. So that was uh, a good one. I like that. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't going to sign a long-term deal with them, uh, or at least they weren't interested in a long-term deal. Uh, I think that interest probably mutual. So uh, I think it. I think it's working out fairly well, especially if Luke Weaver is going to be able to kind of uh, avoid Tommy John. So we'll, we'll see yes. what happens with him. That would be huge. 39 minutes to get uh, 29 people in the DraftKings. We need to fill this. Let's this will be three it. in a row that I didn't fill. because no, no, uh, last two in a row. No, two in a row for us, but then on oh. Friday I did a sleeper in the bus. I have no uh, responsibility a, a Twitch for stream one. Yeah, that, that one's not not your responsibility, but the la- this will be two in a row that we didn't fill. So we got to hustle to fill that. also want to mention that if you want to support the podcast, you can definitely uh, subscribe to Fangraphs. Uh, there is Fangraphs membership, and it, it goes to support us. It uh, takes you know, away with the, the ads. You don't have to look at the ads yes. on the page. It expands our, our database of, of stats and graphs. You know, we, we put up over 400 articles per month. We have 50 contributors, eight full-time staff. It goes to support all of that. And if you do the ad-free one, faster loading speeds, better performance, fewer distractions, bada-bing, bada-boom. So consider doing that. That's um, You can look at that in the, in the uh, what's that called, toolbar there. It's right next to the player search fan graphs membership. Or I think you can go to. Well, I'm not going to read the whole URL. No one's going to remember that. But just look for it. You'll find it on the uh, on the page. And you can try it out for a month for three bucks, or yearly for twenty. And then the ad free is fifty. That's how you can support the podcast. Justin, we got to go. We got to fill this league. But we'll be back. Uh, we good for Thursday? Uh, yeah. And then uh, I'm going on vacation next week. So we'll figure out. Yes, a, you are. We'll record Monday before I leave, because uh, I'm going to leave late Monday. So. Okay. Uh, but then, uh, no, no second episode. Oh, actually, we're not good for Thursday. We're gonna, uh, we, we've got a, we got a special guest on Friday. Oh, that's right. I remember that now. So, okay. Perfect. Perfect. So fr- Friday, will you and I in a special guest? Maybe I'll see if Nick wants to move to Thursday then, so that we're not double loaded on that. But uh, we'll get it all figured out. Thank you all for listening, Justin. I'll talk to you later.